following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Verses 1 through 7. Imagine, as I'm reading this to you, what the scene would have been like as the women were coming to discover an empty tomb. They didn't know it was going to be empty. Imagine what the, they would have been thinking. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. You may be seated. What a beautiful morning. If you have your Bibles, would you grab them? And would you turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter uh, 11? Chapter 11. Uh, by the way, if you, if you need a Bible, there should be one around you. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, we would love to, to give you one as our gift. And no strings attached. You don't even have to tell me about it. Just grab one. Make sure it's one of our hardback black ones or blue ones. Those are the ones I can legally give away, all right? So um, make sure you grab one. If you don't have one, it would be our privilege and honor to give you one. We are going to be in John 11 as you find your place there all over the globe, all over the globe in uh, church buildings, in homes, and uh, in school auditoriums. (laughs) The, The church gathers to celebrate this moment, the moment that just, that just changed everything, um, the moment when, when all of Scripture and everything Jesus said and did was validated for all the world to see, the moment that sets Christianity apart from all other religion and worldview. This moment, all over the globe, the church gathers to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. He is not dead. He is risen. He is alive. Um, Mark 9, you don't have to turn with me here, but Jesus, you remember he says to his disciples, he, he says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And if you just think about that, Jesus prophesies his own death. More than that, prophesies his own resurrection. He says, listen, I'm, I'm going to be arrested, crucified, killed, buried, and in three days, I'm going to raise from the dead. Our Savior had the audacity to claim that, and then he did it. Scripture tells us, history tells us, that Jesus was arrested, that he was sentenced to death under Pontius Pilate, that he was beaten, whipped, that he was given a cross to bear, 
Scripture tells us, history tells us that he was then nailed to that cross, on that cross, suffering and dying, breathing his last, calling out, it is finished. It is finished, and it was. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of your sin. He was placed in a tomb for three days, for three dark days. Three very dark days. You just have to think about his followers at this moment, thinking, what has just happened? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't how it should be. But scripture tells us, history tells us, that that darkness was broken. We have read already Matthew 28. The darkness was broken as Jesus rose from the dead. And it's important to understand, he rose from the dead literally, bodily, physically, in all power. He rose from the dead. In other words, his body has not been found. It cannot be found. It will not be found until that moment when he returns with it. He is alive. And this church perhaps offers us the most incredible evidence of our faith. Jesus lives. There's no body to be found. On this truth, church, all of Christianity rests. Um, in other words, you can't be a Christian. You, you, there would be no Christianity apart from the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're here to look at. The way I think about this is I see the resurrection of Jesus a bit like a beautiful, multifaceted diamond. Here, here's what I mean. Whatever angle you look at it, it's just absolutely beautiful. With each new look comes a new beauty. With each new vantage point comes more incredible perspective. As a gospel preacher, I'll put it like this. I could preach about this every week and just not run out of things to say. Just never run out of things to say. But this morning, we have a few minutes. Um, so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to pick up that diamond, and we're going to settle in on just one of those facets. Okay? We're going to settle in on one of these incredible facets, and we are going to kind of dig in. And to do that, we're going to be looking at John 11. We're going to hone in on just two verses this morning. Um, verses 25 and 26. Verses that are absolutely packed with, with hope. Here's what God's word says. He says, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, let's pick this apart for a moment. Jesus starts with an I am statement. There's only seven of those in the Gospel of John. I am. I am. And I don't want you to miss how strong that language is. I am. This is, a, this is a, maybe the easiest way to think about how strong of a language this is, is to think about what he doesn't say. 
He says, I am the resurrection. He does not say, I will cause it. He does not say, I will bring it about. He does not even say, I will do this or accomplish this. No. Now, all of those things are true. Um, absolutely. But it's, it's stronger here. It's bigger here than that. He says, I am the resurrection, meaning the resurrection is so deeply connected to who he is, it is impossible to separate. It is not something he does. It is not something he causes. It is something he is. I am the resurrection. He's not only that, though. He says, I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. This echoes one other I am statement that we'll see just a few chapters later in John when he says, I am the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. Again, the language here is really strong. He doesn't just cause life. He doesn't just bring life. I am life. I, it is not something he does or brings. It is something he is. I am the resurrection. I am the life. The statement is profound. When Jesus says resurrection, we, we touched on this already, but it's not just a spiritual thing. A floating, kind of ghostly, Casper kind of thing. That's not what is in view with resurrection. Church, this is a literal, bodily, physical resurrection. And when he says life, we're not talking about a temporary life or here today, gone tomorrow, that kind of life. We are talking here about life eternally. So Jesus says, I am physical resurrection and I am eternal life. Physical resurrection and eternal life are only found in Christ. Only found. They are embodied in Christ. They are only found in Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, Jesus is going to build on that. He says, because of that, because that is true, I am the resurrection. I am the life because of that. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Again, Resurrection and life are only found in Christ. And so Jesus says, whoever believes in me. I want to pull out one more thing here because this, again, is really strong language. Um, this question is really strong language. It implies a personal trust. In fact, the word that's translated as in, so whoever believes in me, that word, that translation is weird. It is abnormal. It's a, it's a Greek word, ice, which is normally not translated as in. It's translated as into. Um, it's a little strange. So as you would read this, as you are all Greek scholars, as you would read this in Greek, you would read, um, whoever believes into me. Now, what is that? Why would this be the language? What is going on here? The reality here is that this is more than just an intellectual assent to Jesus. This is more than just a vague belief in him somewhere, somehow. It's, it's more than that. It carries the sense that genuine belief and trust in Christ brings us into Christ. This is a statement of position. 
into. It's a statement of position, and this is huge because whoever believes in Christ is in Christ, if that makes sense. Whoever believes in Christ is brought in, positionally brought in to Christ. Whoever is in Christ, Jesus says, though he die, yet shall he live. This is strong language. This is positional language. And church, you know this, but as humans, each and every one of us will face death. Um, Apart from Christ's return, each and every one of us will face death. This is universal. This is um, because we are finite. We are mortal. This is our plight. This is what we face. But here Jesus contrasts that universal truth, though he die, he contrasts it and says, yet shall he live. Meaning, although you and I face death, death is not the end. We face it, but it's not the end. It reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 4, talking about those around us that we love who have fallen asleep or have passed away. And Paul says, you know, you're going to grieve, but we don't grieve as those who do not have hope, right? Well, why do we have hope? It's because of Jesus. It's because yet shall he live. Death is not the end. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But then Jesus continues this, verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now that's weird. We just read, you know, though he die, and now we just talked about how we all universally face death, but here we read, he will never die. What on earth is going on here? What is happening here? Church, this means that in Christ, here's the way, I, as I was thinking through this and preparing and studying for this, in Christ, death has lost its greatest power, its greatest sting, its greatest victory, and that is its finality. Death has become nothing more through Christ than an extended rest for our bodies. Um, death has become nothing more than a divinely appointed nap time. And there's no need to fear nap time. One commentator says it like this. They shall by no means die forever. Faith is eternal life. Death is only a momentary shadow upon a life which is far better. Death has lost its sting. There is our hope in Christ. Our hope in Christ is Christ. <laughs> As the resurrection and the life. Now, if we were to fast forward this morning in John 11, uh, we would see that Jesus makes this statement as Lazarus, who is one of Jesus's close friends, um, he had died, he had been dead actually for four days. And we're gonna read, or we won't read, but you could read after this, that Jesus walks up to his tomb and, and has the stone rolled away and Lazarus dead for four days, Right? Lazarus, who was wrapped in burial linens. Lazarus, who was dead. I mean, dead, dead. As dead as dead could be dead. That was Lazarus, right? He gets up and walks out of the tomb. And, and 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? We have Lazarus getting up and walking. We fast forward again in Jesus's life. Moments later, days later, we'll see another stone rolled away. This time it's from Jesus's own borrowed tomb. Jesus, dead for three days. Jesus, wrapped in burial linens. Jesus, dead, really dead, fully dead. Jesus got up and that tomb was empty. Jesus gets up and eats with his disciples. Jesus gets up and he is touched physically by his disciples. Let me just say this again. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's only in Christ that we can taunt death. It is only in Christ that death has become a divinely appointed nap time. It is only through Christ that death has lost its power and its finality. It is only through Christ that death loses. When Jesus makes this statement, I am the resurrection and the life church, he meant it. He proved it. He validated it through his own empty tomb. He is our hope. But I want you to hear me. He, Jesus doesn't leave it here. He's going to call for a response. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus asks this, do you believe this? Do you believe this, that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe this, that though you die, you will not remain dead? Do you believe this, that everyone in Christ who believes in Christ, living in Christ, everyone will never ultimately die? Do you believe this? Church, this is a really important question that Jesus asked. Us. It's a really important question for us to ask ourselves and to answer. It is possible today that this is not your first Easter service you have ever been to. It is uh, possible today that you've been to quite a few. In fact, uh, knowing our community and knowing you, it's not only possible, it is probable. And here's the reality. This is not an issue of knowing. It's an issue of believing. In other words, Jesus doesn't say, I'm the resurrection and life, and um, whoever knows about me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and knows about me shall never die. Do you know this? That's not the language Jesus uses. Do you know? Believe this. This is belief, trust, faith. Do you believe this? Church, we may not have as big of a knowledge problem as we sometimes think. We may have a belief problem. So Jesus asked this question that just cuts to the heart. Do you believe this? No matter your age, no matter your background, no matter what brings you into this room, I want you to respond to Jesus' question to you. 
Jesus is asking you through his word. He's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you, fill in your name there, believe this? Whoever believes in me, although you die, you will, you will still live. Do you, Ralph, believe this? Whoever lives in me, believes in me, will never ultimately die. Do you, Sarah, believe this? You are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Do you believe this? This morning, we celebrate the fact Jesus is alive, that he conquered death, that he conquered the grave, that the tomb is empty, that he lives. And this morning... Our Savior, our Lord and Savior is asking you, do you believe this? If you believe that he is risen, will you not also believe what he said? If you believe that he is risen, will you not also believe that you will rise with him? Do you believe this? Listen, whether you are new to the church, new to the faith, new to this idea, maybe this is your first Easter service. Or whether you've been in the church for years and and the Easter story is not a new one for you. Let us now respond to Jesus' question, do you believe this? For all of your knowledge, do you believe this? In all of your struggle, do you believe this? One day you will answer this question. One day you will face your own death. One day your time will come. Perhaps one day you are going to face the death of someone you love. Someone in your life that you love. And you will be answering this question, do you believe this? Why not today and why not now? Do you believe this? I want us to finish by by looking at Romans 10. You actually don't need to turn with me here because I'm going to be quick. Um, Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, How then will they call on in him, in, in him who, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So let me just take this and reverse that order, okay? So, Church, you have heard the gospel of Christ preached this morning. For all of those who have now heard, will you believe? For all of those who believe, will you now call on him? Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So faith, that is believing. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. This Easter morning, we have heard, now let us believe and let us call on our Lord, who is alive, by the way. He is our living Lord and Savior.
Let us call on him this morning, church. Would you pray with me? Lord, we respond this morning to your question. Lord, for some of us in this room, our our answer is, is a bit like Martha's in the text. It says, yes. I pray for all of us who would, who would adamantly say yes. I pray that you would strengthen that faith, that you would draw us to yourself in this moment, that you would show us the great love that you have for us demonstrated through the cross of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Would you help us to respond? For those in this room who would respond Yes, Lord, but help me in my unbelief. I pray that you would help us in our doubt. And I pray that even now in these moments that you would strengthen our confidence in the cross. I pray that even in these moments, Lord, that you would strengthen our confidence in what you have done through sending your son. Grow our confidence that he is alive, our living and active mediator. For those in the room who would answer that question with an I don't know or a no, Lord, I, I, I pray that in this moment that you would just reveal how sweet and beautiful the gospel is. That we who were dead in our sins are made alive in you because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. Jesus lived the life we could never live. He died the death that we deserved. And then he rose, giving us victory. And your word says that for all who believe, we will not perish but have life eternally. And so we claim that. And Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would just do a work in us, that you would do a work on us, and that you would be glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen.